0: All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you again here this this Sunday morning, this Lord's day, to come and worship He who is holy, He who we need to lift His name high in our heart today. Good to see you again. My name is Quentin. I'm the pastor here. Um, If you need a Bible today, we're going to be looking in Colossians again. But if you need a Bible in your hands, we got lots. We'd love for you to have one in your hands. If you left yours at home or if you don't have one, take that as yours. We want God's Word, His sufficient Word in your hands so that you can come to know Him. Today we're going to be learning about coming to know the Lord and what that means for transformation in our lives. So yes, we're going to be in Colossians Chapter 1, we started this book of Colossians last week, we're going to be in here for quite a long time to come, and that's what we do here at Harvest, we, we are about expository preaching, about looking at God's word from beginning to end, looking at a book of the Bible and preaching from, from the very beginning of that book right till the end, because we want to have all of God's word, we don't want to pick and choose what we want. We don't want to pick and choose the the hard things or or the good things that we think. We want God's Word because all of it is sufficient for our salvation. So we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 9 to 11. 9 to 11. So yes, we want to welcome you back. We're in this series of Colossians. We've, We've named this series preeminent, because that's who who Jesus is in this book. In all things, he is first, he is supreme, he is preeminent, and he's number one in our lives. So as we study this book, we're going to see that all of our answers are wrapped up in his preeminence, his gospel, his person, he is the fullness of God. And we were looking at this, this church here, this Colossian church, this first century church in Asia. And it was, it was facing a failing economy. It was facing a pagan culture. And there was this arrival of some dangerous teaching coming into the church. But this church was known to be faithful. It was known to be growing in faith and love and hope. This is what we studied last week. They were holding fast to the gospel. And this was brought to them through the faithful service of this man named Epaphras, who who heard the gospel from Paul in Ephesus. And through this, God was was teaching these people to, to grow in faithfulness in the midst of hard times and false teaching that was coming in. So everything we see in this book is wrapped up in Paul confronting this false teaching, but confronting it with Christ, who is preeminent. And so God is teaching us here. Uh, last week, we learned that our lives, our gospel-transformed lives, are marked by gospel fruit. They're marked by gospel multiplication, and they're marked by gospel service. And these are evidences only available in the preeminent transforming grace of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that, even though we didn't have small groups this last week, that, that you walked home with this, and you were asking yourselves, examining yourself, seeing whether, whether that faith and that love and that hope was, was being transformed in you. This week we're going to have small groups so we can take some of this that we're learning and then and push it into each other's lives and to grow it, to apply it to our lives. And so we don't want to be hearers of God's only, as the book of James says. We want to be doers. We want to be those who respond to God's Word. And so that's what we're here for today. So we're going to, we're going to be stepping into this next section of Scripture. So if you're new to Harvest, like I said, we, we preach. We have bold preaching, uh, bold expository, applicational preaching preaching. Again, we don't choose what we want to preach. We, we allow God's Word to work, and so we just open up a book of the Bible, and we start teaching through it. So we're going to be in Colossians probably into the late summer, and so be prepared for that. There's so much to be found in this book, so much, and, and Paul starts this book with a lot of theology, this foundation of theology, and then later we see how that's applied practically into our lives. And so verses 9 to 11, we're going to be seeing that Paul is going to be moving from this thankfulness that he had at the start of the book, and now he's going to be moving towards unceasing prayer for this faithful church. One interesting thing to note there. As he sees that this church was faithful, he started to pray all the more. That should be applied to our lives as well. When we see people growing in your faith, they need that much more prayer, right? We don't stop praying for people once we think they've arrived or we've arrived to some level. We keep on praying all the more. So let's start in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you this morning as our all-knowing God of the universe, the one who knows the beginning from the end. The one whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, whose ways are higher than our ways. We ask you this morning to continue to transform us, to continue to grow us in our faith and love and hope. We pray that Jesus, the preeminent one, is our foundation and our strength, that we would be wrapped up in the person of Christ, his finished work, his gospel, that he would be number one in our minds, that he would be supreme in our hearts, that he would be preeminent in all that we do, that he would shine through us. And we pray that all of this would be done for your good pleasure. And so we pray that you would work in us today. We thank you for your word that is sufficient and that it speaks into our lives. We pray that by the power of your word and the power of your spirit that you would teach us and open our hearts to receive it, we pray in Christ's name. So today, as you, as you examine your life, as you peer into the darkest corners of your heart, are there areas that you want to grow in? Are there areas that you want to be changed? Are you seeking transformation? Are you wanting to be more and more like Christ? And so do you, do you know how to get there? Do you know the process that God has laid forth for us to be transformed? How are you doing with, with your battle with sin? Are, are you gaining victory Or maybe you've lost hope that you will ever gain victory. Well, this morning we're going to be seeing from here that as Paul prays for the this continued transformation of the Colossian Church, you and I are going to learn that God has a plan. He has a plan of transformation. And his plan for transformation is profoundly wrapped up in the pursuit of knowing Christ. In the pursuit of knowing Christ. And we're going to see this in three consecutive stages here, just in these three verses, three consecutive stages. And the first stage is this, point number one, when we pursue God's will, he transforms our minds. When we pursue God's will, he transforms our minds, starting in verse nine. And so from the day we heard, this is Paul and Timothy, from the day that they they heard of the faithfulness of this Colossian church, they have not ceased to pray for them, asking That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And so we see here Paul modeling how he is continuing to pray for this Colossian church. He hears this great report of their faithfulness. And instead of thinking that they've got all things figured out, he continues all the more, like I said, to pray. Regular, consistent, dependent, unceasing prayer. And the content of his prayer and the content of this sermon today is primarily focused on our essential need of knowing the mind and knowing the will of the Lord for ongoing transformation. Where people that have been brought into this ministry of reconciliation, where people growing in Christ being transformed. And so the first thing he asks for in this prayer is that the Colossians will be filled, that they may be filled with the knowledge Of his will, God's will. So pay close attention to the word filled and the word knowledge. And remember that this church is is facing some false teaching. There were were new ideas coming in, ideas that that seemed very spiritual, ideas that seemed to promote a real Christianity. Uh, You needed to have some kind of special insight, this special knowledge, things that needed to be added to the gospel. That through some kind of a secret knowledge, you could be truly and fully spiritual. It wasn't just the gospel of Jesus alone this false teaching was teaching. It was Jesus plus. And so we see Paul here beginning to refute these errors by redirecting the gaze of the Colossian people to what they already know. This simple message that was brought to them from Epaphras. We know they've already heard the truth. They've already heard the truth of the gospel. They don't need anything new. They don't need anything edgy. They don't need anything that is is groundbreaking. What they need is what is old, what is tested, what is true, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They needed to fill their minds with the will and the knowledge of God. So friends, if you and I want to be transformed today, we need to continue to be transformed by God's will. We need to pursue God's will. Now, God's will here is not a, a simplistic understanding of, of God's direction for your life. Uh, the context is really about a deep, abiding understanding of the revelation of Christ and all that he means for the universe For the Colossians. So this isn't just about what I'm going to be doing next week or, or the plans down the road for school or where I'm going to be moving to three years from now. This is the mind of God, the will and the heart of God. That's the will of God in this context. And so let me ask you, where are we to find? Where are we to find the will of God? Where are we to find this, this revelation of His will today? Where do we find that? We find that revealed in his holy word, in his Bible. And so we have the Bible today, his sufficient word, find his will. And so this first stage of transformation is to know the mind and the will of God through God's word. And then everything else flows flows out of that foundation. So knowing God is key. Knowing God by his word. In J.R. Packer's book, Knowing God, he asks this question. He says... What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. What in humans gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. And then later in his book, he says, If you disregard the study of God, you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blinded. And so let that inform your approach to God's Word this week as you get up in the morning, as you grab the Bible. Think of this knowing God is key, knowing God is life, knowing God transforms. Why do we need to know God? Why do we need God's Word? Well, friends, we all have fallen minds. We have fallen thinking. We are, we are corrupted in our thinking. We need to have our minds renewed if we're to have any kind of hope of ongoing transformation. And God's answer to our fallen thinking is always to point us to His perfect, His higher, His all sufficient thinking, His divine perspective, and that is His holy will. And we see this all through God's Word, it's everywhere. A few examples for you is, is later in, this, in the Colossian book here. Paul says in chapter 3, verse 2, that, that we are to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth, setting our minds on him who is in heaven. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says, putting on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image, or the, in knowledge after the image of its creator. And also in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's just a, a few verses. From beginning to end, God's word is full of knowing him, knowing him by his word, knowing him through, thus saith the Lord what he has revealed. And so friends, our only hope in engaging any type of gospel transformation, is to start with our first foundation. And that is to expose our minds. Expose our minds to the mind of God through His written Word. Until the next time that you you sit down and, and you open your Bible, ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I reading this? Why should I be reading God's Word? And then remember Paul's prayer here. That you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Not that you just would have a little bit of it. Not that you would be half full. This word translated filled here means to be generously supplied. Complete to full and overflowing. And so as we give ourselves to that process over and over again, we begin to think like God. His, his thoughts become our thoughts. His perspective begins to become our perspective. And His will becomes our will. And throughout all of Scripture, this is, this is how God teaches us. This is what He commands us to do. Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 11, God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I purpose. Scented. God's word is powerful, and it reveals his will. Are you allowing it to penetrate your heart and to transform your mind and your thinking and your will? And so if you want true and lasting change in your life, it starts with knowing the mind of God through his word. When we pursue God's will, he transforms our minds. But is it enough to have our mind full of the knowledge of God without it penetrating our heart? Is it enough to just know Him, to know some facts about the Lord, to know His Word from beginning to end? It needs to be moving further into our lives, into our hearts. And that's why Paul says we need to to keep on praying for one another, that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will. And it would happen this way, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, which leads us to this second point, this this stage two of transformation. When we apply spiritual wisdom, he transforms our hearts. When we apply spiritual wisdom, he transforms our hearts. And so let me ask you this question. When it comes to making the changes that you want in your life, is it enough to just know about God? Is it enough to just know the facts of God? Or is there more to the equation? You ever meet that person who seems to to know a lot about God? They might know a lot about the Bible. They might know a lot about what it teaches. and, And they could probably tell you the order of the books of the Bible. They could probably quote all kinds of scripture. And they can even argue fine points of theology. But they don't seem to be changed by the Lord. You ever meet anybody like that? I have. Their character and their choices don't seem to line up with, with someone who is filled with the knowledge of God's will. This does happen. Some people can have the most robust theology, but lack severely in just this practical transformation in their life. And so this is why Paul doesn't, doesn't just stop with praying for the Colossians to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, but he asks that they would be filled in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because genuine growth in Christ doesn't stop with the head. Biblical knowledge must move to your heart through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Packer also says this in his book, Knowing God. You can have all the right notions in your head without ever tasting it in your heart. The reali- or sorry, you can have all the right notions in your head without ever tasting in your heart the realities to which they refer And a simple Bible reader and sermon hearer who is full of the Holy Spirit will develop a far deeper acquaintance with his God and Savior than a more learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. So we're not going just for head knowledge. We need to now push that knowledge of his will into our heart. And so Paul says we need it. We need wisdom. We need understanding. Now the Greek word for wisdom is sophia which really means the ability to discern the truth, to see these, these vital principles in Scripture. So not just facts, but really how do we practically apply this. And actually, the word sunesis here as well for um, the will, uh, sunesis the word for understanding, pardon, is the ability to apply these principles of wisdom to your heart. Okay, So vital principles applied to your heart is wisdom and understanding. To be able to discern and to be able to apply. So wisdom is truth applied to the heart. Knowledge applied to the heart. With the intent of changing your desires. Okay? Whose heart is in great need of transformation today? Mine is. I know my heart needs further transformation. There's still sin. As we live in this world, we, we continue to, to sin. Right? And we will deal with that until the day that we die or Christ comes back to take us. We are saved, yes, but we are also sinners. And we need to continually be transformed. We call this sanctification. Our hearts need it. Our hearts in and of themselves are wicked. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 121 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. So you see this fallen thinking and you see this darkened, foolish heart. This is, this is who we are apart from the revelation of God's will penetrating our life. And then Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Friends, our hearts need help. Our hearts need help. Our hearts need truth. And it needs the truth applied deeply. We need our desires changed. We need them redeemed for his glory. The truth is that when you truly want to be changed by God, knowledge of his will must be applied to your heart and to your soul or else we get hot heads and cold hearts. One of the biggest news stories back in 1993, that's when I was, I was just starting my teenage years. Uh, one of the top stories on TV, on the news channels, was the story of the Branch Davidian cult. Anybody remember that in Waco, Texas? Yeah? Okay. Now this was, a, this was an extreme cult led by none other than David Koresh, himself. David Koresh was an extremely evil, extremely disturbed man, controlled, a very controlling man, very persuasive man. And he convinced many people to live with him in this isolated ranch. Ultimately, this, this whole thing ended with a, with a standoff with, with the FBI. There was a 51-day standoff. And at the end, there was a massive fire and some shooting, and, and 89 people, including David, were killed. Uh, in, this, in this, uh, this cult and the ultimate end of this fire and death. And the reason I mention David Koresh is because this guy, this guy knew the Bible. He knew the Bible. Actually, it was, it was told that by the time he was 16, he, he memorized the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so I give you this extreme example just to show you that we can have all kinds of knowledge in our head about the Bible, we can know it from front to back, but it was, if it's not applied to the heart and it's not transforming your life, it is a complete loss. God wants to transform our hearts and give us new desires. And so as the Colossian church was, was facing this false teaching, coming in, they needed, they needed more than knowledge. They needed the knowledge of God's will applied to their life, and Paul prayed that they would discern what is true and apply it to their continued growth. And so as you and I seek to grow in the Lord, that's that's what we're about here. We want want to be people about the gospel, sharing the gospel with the world, uh, reaching more with the gospel. We're also at the work of transformation. We give each other to, to ongoing sanctification. And through that, we need our hearts continually transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through spiritual wisdom and understanding of God's truth. And these are from the Holy Spirit. These are spiritually enabled. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We need the Holy Spirit to be pushing this into our heart. So the Holy Spirit, God himself, was sent to us to be our helper, to be our teacher, and to help us to discern and to have wisdom, to help us to apply the knowledge of God's will to our hearts. So let's not be satisfied with biblical knowledge alone. Let's seek the Lord. Let's ask the Spirit to push it into our heart, asking the Lord to hide his word inside of us that we would not sin against him. And so when we apply spiritual wisdom, He transforms us. And so we see this this pursuit of God's will through knowledge. And then as our minds are transformed, we begin to think rightly. And then as we apply spiritual wisdom, He transforms these desires of our heart. And then we see that when we respond to holy desires, He transforms our walk. When we respond to these new holy desires, he transforms our walk. That's point number three. Verse 10. Be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? Seems like a pretty high bar, right? Walking worthy for the Lord. As you analyze your life, over this past week? How's your, how's your walking? Is it worthy? Is your life matching up to your profession? Are you being changed? Or is it one of those impossible ideals of Christianity? You know, one of these things we just say, yeah, walk worthy in the Lord, right? And you're like, yeah, well, we'll see if we can get there one day, but probably isn't going to happen. Well, the Bible is clear that walking worthy in the Lord is possible, And it's the primary aim of the Christian to become more and more like Christ. But what does that look like? Well, this walking in the Lord is a Jewish concept, which really means to be living for God, living with a visibly transformed life. Paul teaches in Philippians and Ephesians and Thessalonians that God's people are to live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But again, what does that look like? Well, as you think about your life and and these changes that that are being made in your life, observable changes that God is making inside of you, are these now coming out of you? Are they real? Are they authentic? Sometimes we as Christians are prone to putting on masks. We have a horrible week, right? We've failed time and time again. And so instead of going back to the Lord, seeking knowledge and will, applying it as spiritual wisdom, asking Him to change our walk. We'll put on a mask. We'll pretend everything's okay. Right? Sometimes we're good at faking it. Sometimes we do that because our, our heart just seems so far from the Lord. But that's not our God. He's always willing, always able. His arms are always open to take you back. Never, ever think that you can never run to the Lord You may find yourself in sin, but what he wants you to do is to turn from that sin and run back to him in repentance and faith. So when it comes to walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, we often try to do so by by merely modifying our behavior. When it comes to to certain sin that, that just never seems to leave, we try to cover it up. Sometimes we struggle with things like depression and anxiety, Sometimes we just hope that time will heal our wounds. Sometimes we just want to be better husbands. We want to be better wives. We want to be better children, better friends. And so we just simply try harder. We just try harder. Only to fail after exhaustion. Cleaning that outside of that cup. Whitewashing our tombs while the inside of us is still dirty. Christ come to change that. The truth is that changing one's behavior can only happen through the transforming grace of God. And changing one's behavior just by changing your behavior will never work. It may look good for a little while, but it creeps back again. Paul's prayer for the Colossians and Paul's prayer for you is that if you truly want to grow and you truly want to be transformed, you can't start by just trying to change your behavior. You'll never get there. The key to walking and the key to living a life in, in a godly manner is to get to the root of the problem. And the root of these wrong actions are our wrong desires of our heart. And the root of those wrong desires is wrong thinking. And so you see this process. You see God's process for change. is from the mind to the heart, then to your actions. But we have a universal problem. As humans, ever since the fall, we've been dealing with this. We, we see temptation and we give in to temptation, and our, and our hearts have these desires to follow after things of this world. And we finally just, just give in to the sin. We choose it. We choose to defy the Lord. Let's go and look back at the first sin in, in Genesis 3 and just see this on display here as well. This is how it happened Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And then he said, the serpent said to the woman, to Eve, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? This is is Satan. This is what he does. He questions the truth of God continually. He's a deceiver. And Eve, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But then Satan says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we see here how how her mind is now flipped When the woman saw that the tree, so she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Did you catch that? Did you see what happened there? She believes not the truth, not the will of God, not spiritual wisdom. She believes the lies of Satan. And we can see this, that, that this fruit was a delight to her eyes. So her thinking has changed. All of a sudden, she knew this is bad for her, but now it's a delight to her eyes. And then we see that this tree was to be desired to make one wise. It went from thinking to evil desires in her heart. She desired it. And then ultimately, in the end, she takes it. This is her action. This is all rooted in wrong thinking and wrong desires. She took it and she ate. And instead of God's truth, she listened to Satan's twisting of the truth. And so we see these wrong desires. In believing the lies, her desires were turned away from the Lord. She believed God was keeping something from her. And she desired the fruit. And then we see these wrong actions. These wrong desires inevitably led to the eating of the fruit. And this is the first sin. This is when sin and death came into the world. We've been struggling with this ever since then. It's the universal problem of humanity. But Paul prays that in light of that, we can walk worthy of the Lord. And God calls all of us to live lives that reflect His character in this world. So do you want to walk worthy of the Lord this morning? Are you seeking to be transformed? Do you want to better reflect God's image? Well, we need to have right thinking. Right thinking founded on the knowledge of God as revealed by His Word, which leads to true heart transformation and right desires. And these right desires lead to living for the glory of God. This is the way that He transforms us. It's a continual, ongoing process. And so treasure it. Look to it. As you're looking at the sins of your hands right don't be just trying to stop your hands from doing that you need to be looking to the heart and then to your your wrong thinking so let's put this to practice let's start looking at our behaviors the behaviors that we want changed looking at these wrong desires that are fueling these actions and then seek the lord's knowledge and his wisdom through understanding and having our thinking transformed this is the process and the beauty of this is it ultimately pleases the Lord. Our transformation brings great pleasure to the Lord. In verse 10, it says, So to so walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And it says, Fully pleasing to him. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. With joy. So, point number four when our lives are transformed, God receives the glory. He gets all the glory. Our purpose as Christians is to never just seek transformation for the sake of transformation. We don't seek anything of the gospel just for ourselves alone or for the world or for the good of our family. Our transformation is always purposed vertically to the glory and the pleasure of God. And without that, we miss the whole point. We stop short of what we're really here for, which is to glorify God. We were created, we were saved, and we are sanctified for the glory and the pleasure of God. And Paul reminds us that our transformation must be vertically centered, that our growing in holiness and our growing in character and Christ's likeness is pleasing to the Lord. And it says that it pleases Him fully. So as we are, we are full of God's knowledge and God's wisdom and full of God's character, God fully, fully delights in us. Can you imagine that you, you actually bring God joy? That you actually bring Him, pleasure. This is is incredible. That you can please Him. Not that you're trying to earn salvation. This is always after salvation. Our life of sanctification is for the pleasure of God. We want to honor Him with our lives and give Him great joy in what He's doing in us. So do do you ever feel like you're pleasing the Lord? Is that a common thought in your head? Or is it I'm probably not pleasing the Lord with my life. Well, we can please the Lord. We give, give ourselves to his process, his process of transformation. The truth is that the Lord loves to save. He loves to change us into his image. And as much as all heaven rejoices when one sinner is saved, God rejoices and responds to our on. Going spiritual growth, this pleasure that he has. And on top of that, we see in the rest of this little section here, as if that were not enough that we could please the Lord, Paul tells that in delighting in us, the Lord also responds by continuing to work in us. He abundantly blesses us, bearing fruit in every good work. Remember, we can't produce spiritual fruit Spiritual results on our own. We are merely vessels that work for the Lord. All we can do is submit to God's plan and faithfully work for Him in this world. But we get these front row seats to see the Lord at work. And we get to to have Him delighting, delighting in us and producing fruit through our hands. That is amazing that God gives us that privilege. He also faithfully grows us, it says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, so growth in the knowledge and wisdom of Christ leads to more and more growth in the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ. Again, this ongoing transformation, right? As we are transformed, God is pleased. He continues to transform us. We'll never be perfect this side of heaven But the plan is, while we are here, to continue and to grow and to know our Lord and our Savior. And we also see here that he powerfully strengthens us, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Friends, all of this is by the strength and the power of our risen Lord and Savior, And apart from his strength, apart from his power, any efforts to please him are in vain. Remember, our works, in and of themselves, apart from the spirit and the strength of God, are filthy rags. We need his strength, we need his spirit, we need his power to change us. And we see that it's for endurance, it's to the end. Winning the race, getting to the end with with patience and with joy. God fills us with joy as we go through all of our life being transformed. Martin Luther wrote about this reality of God's strength in one of his famous hymns. He says, and we sing this regularly, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be loosing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he, Lord sabbath his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. It's the Lord who wins the battle, the Lord who gives us the strength. He is the fuel of our transformation, this preeminent Christ that we're learning about in Colossians and apart from Christ transformation will be fleeting it will be incomplete and so i ask you do you know jesus today are you sure that you know jesus is there fruit being born in your life are you being transformed is there increasing knowledge is there is there wisdom being applied and is there this visible change in your life that starts with knowing him being found in him being saved by Him, and it's never too late. Today is the day of salvation. It's all wrapped up in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. He lived for us. He lived the perfect life for us. He came because He loved us. He came because He knew that we couldn't save ourselves. This has been the plan from before the foundation of the earth, that that God would send Christ, His very own Son, in your place and live for you and die for you so that you could have life. And not only did He die, but He rose from the grave for you. And the power that is, that is found for living this Christian life is, is found in His resurrection, its resurrection power. The same power that rose Him from the grave raises us from the grave and gives us the power to live for Him. And so, I ask you to turn from your sin today. Run to Christ, believe in him, trust in him. And so as a new church in South Calgary, we want, to be, we want to be faithful like this Colossian church. We want to be known for hope and love and faith. We want to be known as a transformed people. Those whose God's presence goes with, those who are all about the preeminent presence of Christ, those who boast in the Lord alone. And so that's why Paul prays for the Colossians, and he's praying for us here, that when we pursue God's will, he transforms our minds. When we apply spiritual wisdom, he transforms our hearts. And when we respond to holy desires, he transforms our walk. And when our lives are transformed, God receives all the glory.